Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I am going to be presenting solo on this episode and talking about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and something that I'm passionate about, something that's been coming up in our clinic a lot recently, getting second opinions from athletes and families that are kind of struggling with their recovery process. And what I'm going to be talking about today is the fact that rest is alone is not a solution to your injury. So rest is not best, even though it is commonly prescribed. Um, It is a little bit more nuanced than that, and I will dive into the details in this episode, but I'll go through exactly why rest alone isn't sufficient and what you should be doing instead of resting to recover from overuse injuries, acute injuries, and even post-operative conditions. What's going on? It is Michael Falk with Kinetic Sports Medicine here today. I am not joined by a guest. It is just going to be me diving into a topic that we've been getting a lot at our clinic recently, especially from our athletes. And that is the idea that when you are dealing with pain or an injury, that you should just rest it and then go back to play your sport. And quite frankly, that's just not the answer. So rest is never going to be a sufficient solution for a pain or an injury. And particularly if you are a higher level athlete or really an athlete of any kind, it is actually going to be detrimental to your recovery to completely rest. And this is a myth that we see quite a bit. Um, It comes from a variety of sources. Sometimes it's coaches, sometimes it's going to a doctor and just being told to rest it for a period of time. Quite commonly, we're going to hear Uh, For minor things, two weeks. For more major things, uh, six to eight weeks of rest and then reintegrate yourself back into your sport. And the reason that that sets you back so much is that during that period of rest, you are actually getting worse. Your body is adapting to no stress at all. So when you are just resting, you are getting deconditioned, your muscles are getting weaker, your bones, your tendons, your ligaments, your cardiovascular system are all not being stressed and they are all getting weaker from what you're typically doing. And what this results in then is a deconditioned athlete that is underprepared for the demands of their sport or activity. And then they go back and start quote unquote, working themselves back into that injury or into that activity. And lo and behold, not only does the pain come back, but often the pain comes back worse than it did before. And all we've done is wasted the last four, six, eight weeks, kind of fill in the blank from there on how long that athlete rested. And this is just a cycle that we see happen repeatedly. I'll give you some specific examples of different injuries and conditions that Um, We see this frequently with and and try to help manage and and then try to give you a better solution and what you should do. So some things that we see this quite a lot with, and I'll just kind of break it down into different sports and and chronic conditions or maybe acute conditions that we see. So um, let's take something that's relatively common in 
uh, field type sport or running sport as we get ready to go into kind of spring sports here, soccer and uh, track and field, those things is a hamstring strain, right? So we'll see this a lot with hamstring strains where an athlete will be running down the field. They'll pull up gimpy holding at the back of their thigh and have strained their hamstring. And you can have different degrees of hamstring strains, um, but commonly, you know, hamstring strains are relatively minor. You're not going to need to go see an orthopedic surgeon. You're not going to need to go do a doctor or go see a doctor. And um, often they're not even that painful as long as you're not sprinting or running at top end speed. You're able to walk and do your daily life activities with relatively little, little pain. But what happens with a hamstring strain most commonly is there will be damage to the muscle. Uh, the area around that muscle will tighten up in a reflexively protective mechanism, will kind of knot up. The athlete will feel very tight. And what that is mimicking is it's actually mimicking a hamstring muscle weakness that has resulted from that initial strain injury that it, that it injured the hamstring. And so, uh, but commonly no one does rehab for these. They just ice it, they rest, they might stretch for a little bit of time, and then they just feel okay. So they start jumping back into practice and they might honestly be able to practice a little bit. They might be able to get through low intensity practices. They might be able to do um, kind of submaximal jogging, light running. They might be able to do a lot of uh, different things and then they'll go back into a game. And as they start to open up in the speed of the game, their hamstring will start hurting again. They'll get another strain. It'll flare up on them and they'll have to come back out. And the reason is because they didn't address the underlying issue, which was the hamstring muscle weakness. And additionally, they weren't doing the things that they needed to stay in shape while they were kind of resting for that period of, you know, a week, 10 days, whatever the case may be when they were out of practice, they weren't doing the things that they needed to be doing to stay shape, stay in shape and be prepared for that. So that's one common example. Another one that uh, we'll give is with runners with shin splints or Again, fill in the fill in the blank here as a runner with some type of overuse injury, whether it be IT band pain, shin splints, plantar fascia. Um, we could keep going down the line, but we see this with runners all the time. They start training for a race. They start running quite a bit. They'll start developing pain. They might be able to keep training through that discomfort. They finish their race. They take a period of time off and then they jump right back into training for the next race without really doing anything um, to address that underlying issue. And quite frankly, they feel good, right? As long as they're not running or maybe they're um, able to stay under a certain threshold of speed or under a certain mileage threshold and, and they don't hurt. So they feel like they're okay. Then they start jumping back into more intensive running, more intensive training after that period of rest. And that pain starts coming back right away or they just get more and more broken down. And over the period of cycles of this year after year, they just get gradually weaker, gradually more deconditioned. Their overall volume across the course of the year gets lower and lower because they cannot sustain the training volumes and intensities that they need. And it just gets into to be this vicious cycle. And then as we start going into baseball season, we see the same pattern a lot with throwing athletes, okay? They start throwing early in the season. They'll feel some tightness in the front of their shoulder, the inside of their elbow as they start ramping up. They'll take a week off, 
and then they'll jump right back in and try to pitch for their next start, their next showcase, whatever the case may be. And as they start ramping up the intensity of throwing, boom, that same issue starts hurting and oftentimes it starts hurting worse. So this is a cycle that we see over and over and over again. And what I'm going to encourage you today is that rest is not the answer. What we talk about with athletes is we might need a period of what we call relative rest, um, but not complete rest. And there is a very distinct difference. This is not just nomenclature. So when you're told to rest and do nothing and let an area calm down, it is with the effort of allowing that whatever the injury is, whatever the inflammation is, whatever the pain is to calm down and be protective. But it has the effect of also getting you deconditioned, weaker, less tolerant to stress, etc. So what we, when we say relative rest, what we are talking about is we need to often remove the painful stimuli, remove the thing that is irritating uh, the injury. We need to allow that site to heal and calm down. But we do not need to stop doing anything we need or everything. We need to continue to find other ways to stay active, to address underlying deficits, to stay conditioned and to keep our body used to the stress or as close to the stress of the thing that we're um, trying to get back to do so that we're better prepared when we do get back into the game. So um, as an example with this, we can kind of go through a variety of things, but a very easy one is with uh, running, right? So commonly runners go see a medical provider with a painful condition and they're told just stop running for a little while and you're going to feel better. Um, and yes, that is true. They will feel better, but they will be underprepared. So rather than just saying stop, we will work with the runner to work backwards on what is the thing that is bothering you. For example, if you're a runner that's dealing with a high hamstring type pain and like literally a pain in the sit bones area of your butt, um, often it's hills that irritate that. So maybe we're able to find a different way to get you training on a flatter surface without having any hills and you're able to maintain your weekly mileage with uh, lower speeds and no hill work. And then you're able to keep running. We're able to allow that area to calm down. We can start doing some exercises to target that structure and try to drive adaptation and build up strength. Um, but you're able to continue training as one example. Maybe another example would be maybe it's not hills. Maybe it's just overall running volume per week um, that hey, once you hit a certain number of miles per day or miles per week, your body starts to kind of bark back at you, whether it's shins or your plantar fascia outside of your hip, whatever the case may be, but you hit that mileage and now all of a sudden that pain kicks in. And what we might be able to do is dial you back, find a mileage that is uh, within your pain tolerance, that's not irritating your tissues, and then sub out the rest of your mileage or the general time running um, for a cross-training type workout on a non-impact thing like an exercise bike, maybe an elliptical, uh, maybe it's swimming, whatever the case may be, find another thing. So let's, um, as an example, let's say you're running a total of um, nine hours per week. And, you know, that covers a variety of mileages and speed. But let's just say for, for the sake of the podcast, you had about nine hours worth of running-based training. And um, after you could do mileage that took you about four hours uh, and then you started to deal with pain. 
Well, we would pull you back to whatever that mileage and whatever that training plan was for those that was kind of four hours worth. And then we'd have five hours of cross training that we would try to get you to do. And we could rotate that through different modalities or rowing, uh, swimming, biking, etc. And we would fill that space in. So you're still maintaining your overall training time just with modalities that are not irritating that injury. And then in the background, we would be working on strengthening that injury, treating that uh, area, allowing it to calm down, building it back up, and then gradually start working back in, not going from four hours of running to nine hours of running, but working on a plan that maybe we add in 30 minutes a week or an hour a week, whatever the case may be, but slowly kind of titrating that dosage of running back into your plan. And we could apply that to any of those other sports like um, baseball throwing would be another easy example of that with athletes that we try to figure out what about throwing is it? So is it your arm only hurts when you're on the mound, but you can play catch and long toss without pain? Is it your arm only hurts at high intensities where you can uh, maybe play catch on an arc, even out to 120 feet or 90 feet, whatever the case may be. And as long as the ball is kind of on an arc, it's nice and easy. Um, Your effort level is a little bit lower. Your arm feels good. But as soon as you start trying to bring the ball down, drive it on a line, increase the intensity of your throw, your arm starts hurting, right? Well, then we might just be able to pull back the intensity, have you maintain your throwing volume. So the total, let's say you're throwing uh, a total of 600 throws a week, for example, something like that. Um, We might try to maintain 600 throws a week, but have no high intensity throws. Just have you play catch lightly in a pain-free way for that 600 throws a week. We just took out the painful stimulus and then we'd be working on, okay, why is, what's going on? Is your shoulder tight? Have you lost strength? Um, Do we need to work on rotating better? Do we need to be making a mechanical change? Whatever the case may be, trying to address that in the background, but keep your arm moving and throwing as much as possible, right? Maybe with a thrower, it's just the total volume of throws. So, hey, I I feel really good as I warm up, but just throughout the throwing session, as I keep going, it starts getting worse and worse. And I really start feeling it after throw number 50 on any given day. Okay, perfect. Then we're going to throw right up till throw number 50 right now. We're going to keep that going and then we're going to stop, right? And we're going to control that daily volume to keep it under a pain threshold. And through going through this process, we are then able to maintain your workload, maintain your stress, maintain your activity as close as possible while still allowing that painful area to calm down while protecting the healing tissues and sites, while uh, kind of taking advantage of time, but not just doing nothing. And then once we start making progress, we start adding those things back in and you are in a way better spot when you get back towards progressing back to your sport than if you just had been sitting and doing nothing for 10 days, two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, etc. So those are some examples there. If we start moving into the injury world, like an acute injury, like a hamstring strain, right? So, or ankle sprain, some type of knee tweak, you could fill in the blank here as well with different things. Um, We don't want to stop everything, right? And it's going to be different for every person, but let's use, continue to use the example of uh, acute hamstring strain. So yes, 
you are not going to be able to practice fully right off the bat, right? Often you can't run, you can't jog. It's pretty painful and relatively uncomfortable, but we don't want to do nothing. So we can get into some easy strengthening right off the bat. That's in pain, you know, I don't want to say pain-free, but pain-controlled ranges of motion. We probably cannot open up for a full sprint, but you might be able to do some a skipping. Maybe you can even tolerate some high knee running. Maybe you can do some type of drill work, like uh, even just a walking march or a, a sprinting wall drill, something like that, that you are able to keep your body moving in those ranges of motion. And then we want to get you on some type of cardiovascular type exercise. Um, often biking is relatively well tolerated for, for hamstring strains um, that mimics the amount of time that you'd be playing your sport so that we keep you overall in shape. And then we want to start each day as you tolerate a little bit more. Let's say the first day you tolerate just a walking A march. And that's all we can do without really irritating your hamstring. Maybe on day three, we can start turning that into an A skip. Maybe on day five, we can start turning that into a high knee run. Maybe on day seven, yeah, you can't open up, but maybe you could do short little five yard accelerations. Those are not nearly as stressful on your hamstring as a full on run, right? We can build from five yards to 15 yards to 20 yards to 40 yards until you're really able to open all the way up. And we can follow that progression throughout your rehab pro program. Then in the background, we can start getting you involved with practice. Yes, you might not be able to do everything. You might not be able to do full field sprinting and scrimmaging, but with hamstrings, um, let's use soccer as an example. Maybe you can play a small sided game. Maybe you can uh, just play within a five yard little box, get your kind of touching a ball, keep your feel going. You can move side to side typically pretty well, and there's no opening up and sprinting. We're able to do um, that and keep you involved with practice on the technical side. And we could use that example going into any other sport as well. We try to control the things that are going to make the injury worse and set you back, but get you involved in everything else that is safe for you to do so that as you progress with the hamstring, as you progress with being able to run and open up and get into full practices and games, you are more prepared and less deconditioned, less, uh, stress averse and you're able to get back and do those things and really the philosophy with this is we want to build anti-fragile athletes right our athletes need to be strong and resilient and robust they need to have equal strength they need to recover their strength they need to be well conditioned and they need to be prepared to be stressed like this demands of their game so that's an example of an acute injury but to take this into one more um, step before I wrap it up, we could also look at this with a more significant injury like a post-operative condition, right? Because we see a lot of athletes that waste a ton of time during their rehab because they are told what they can't do, right? They're told, don't do this. Don't do X. Here's your restrictions, right? They're never told what they can do. And the truth is that they can do a lot. Right. And so we do not have to rest just because you have surgery. You often only have surgery on one limb. That leaves three other limbs plus your core, plus your cardiovascular system that we can continue to train and develop and adapt all the way through that post operative period. We might have to rest for 
seven to 10 days after surgery, largely to wait for the stitches to get out so that we don't run the risk of an infection. But after that, we can come up with ways that you can get in the gym with your teammates. And if you had ACL surgery, you can be in there doing your upper body lifts. If you had a shoulder surgery, we can modify what you're doing in the weight room so that it's safe so that you can train your lower body with your teammates. There's things that you can do with belt squats that don't involve your upper body with holding dumbbells in one arm to stay away from your surgical arm, right? We can change all of these things to keep you active, moving, engaged with your teammates and making progress. And too often we focus on what athletes can't do and not often enough on what they can do. So if you're recovering from post-op surgery and you are not working and training hard, you are missing an opportunity and you are setting yourself up to come back underprepared for the demands of your sport, which is going to not only decrease your performance, but also leave you at risk for additional injuries in the future. So we view injury times as setbacks. Don't get me wrong. We hope no one ever has to go through an injury, but that's just not realistic. We play sports. We do active things. We challenge our bodies and at times things are going to happen. And the answer is never to do nothing and just let time quote unquote heal or decrease your pain before you go back. You need to be active. You need to push yourself. You need to be intelligent. Don't get me wrong. We need to allow that painful area to settle down. We need to allow tissues to heal. We need to respect the body's healing process. But that does not mean we need to be doing nothing. So if you're dealing with pain, whether it's an overuse injury, whether it's an acute injury, or whether it's in a post-operative longer-term situation, rest is not best. Rest alone is never the answer. It is commonly a period of what we call relative rest followed by a, in including a progressive rehab program that challenges your strength, your mobility, addresses your deficits, and keeps you conditioned and gradually reintroduces you to your activities so that you go back as a robust, resilient, and well-prepared athlete. So hopefully, if you are someone that is unfortunately dealing with your injury right now or in injury, whether it's that acute overuse or surgical, this is something that can resonate with you and that you can use to incorporate into your plan. If you are not an athlete or a family that is currently going through an injury, but you know someone, you have a teammate or a friend or a family that is going through a situation like this, we would really appreciate it if, you've, if you'd help us spread the word. We see this all the time, and we often get second opinions of families that were told to just rest it and then go back, and that injury comes back often even worse. And we really want to try to help those people and get this in front of them sooner. So um, if you've got anyone that would benefit from this, we'd love it if you would uh, send it over to them and share it so that we can try to help more people just like you. Um, with that, I'll get off my soapbox this week on talking about rest. And I hope uh, everyone that's listening is having a good start to 2023. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey, wait a minute. Did you enjoy this episode? You could really help us out by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes to help spread the word about this podcast so we can help more athletes and families just like you. We really enjoy these episodes 
getting to talk to other people, and sharing high-quality, evidence-based information to help more athletes and families in their pursuits of their goals. So if you could take a second to help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm.